0: My guest today is Renee Earls. Renee is currently the president and CEO of the Odessa Chamber of Commerce. She's also the owner and chief editor of the Odessa Magazine. Renee, thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm excited to get to speak with you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. I'm honored you would ask.
0: Yes, ma'am. All right. So the mission of the Odessa Chamber of Commerce is to foster an environment in which businesses grow and build a better community. Strategically, What do you as an organization do to accomplish these objectives?
1: Well, our Odessa Chamber is overseen by a board of 30 people. And then we have ex-officios that are elected officials throughout the community. So it's a very volunteer-driven organization. And I think we're really good at having our finger on the pulse of the community. I think one of the best things that the Chamber does is bring people together and bring the right people to the table to talk about community issues so most importantly i think we communicate we communicate with our members we communicate with our volunteers our community as a whole um, really stay on top of what our community issues are and then we um, we take that and, and put it into action as to how we can help the community grow either through business economic development leadership volunteerism um, promoting the community Um, One thing that we do as a chamber, as an organization, we do have a board retreat once a year. And I think that's really important because it brings our board members together for a couple of days. We do it out of town so they're not distracted uh, with what's happening either at their office or at their home. And we just really talk about big issues. So we do a a really um, more of a strategic planning session on what's coming up, what issues are really important. And then, you know, it's so important to put all of that action into work and we just roll our sleeves up and we're a community that really gets after it. If we find a need, we try to, to fill that need or, or fix an issue. And um, so I would say communication is the number one issue that allows us to do what we do. We, we talk and we listen.
0: So what are kind of the the modes of communication that you use most frequently in order to accomplish that?
1: What are the types of of communication?
0: Yeah. So, Um, I mean, are are you going in and meeting people in their offices, talking on the phone, emails, all the
1: above? Yes. I think face to face is always the most important. I mean, you know, being in Odessa, we're a a community of about 120,000 people. You know, um, we're very much a relational business. It's all about relationships. It's who you know, um, who you can get in touch with, who can connect you with someone else, and so face to face is always best. Obviously, because of COVID, we've not been able to do that, and that's been difficult for a chamber. We're we're known for bringing people together, but because of COVID, we've had to really we've had big restrictions on that. So we have really um, worked well with technology. I did not know what Zoom was prior to March. And now it's something that's a regular part of our day. So we do a lot of Zoom meetings and that too can be face to face. It's just that you're not you know, in the same room. Our, um, our chamber also communicates a lot by email. Um, we send out a lot of emails. In fact, sometimes we might send out too many. So we really try to make sure the information we're sending is important. We have an email list of about 3,000 people, and those are members, those are volunteers, um, board members, you know, people who are engaged with the chamber. And I think that's one of the, the best ways that we can get our message out. Um, we also, um, you know, have, uh, we did up until COVID hit, we had a monthly mailer where we would actually bring our staff together. We would spend half a day putting out this mailer that a big packet that might have, you know, 15 different sheets of information. It's not only from the chamber, but some of our businesses. And that was a really um, healthy tool that we had to get the word out about projects. And then when COVID hit, you know, we couldn't come together to put that mailing together. So now we do it via email. And that's one thing we have found that you know what, it saves us time, it saves us money, and it's, it's probably more impactful. So we have a lot of different ways that we communicate. We also obviously do a lot of advertising. We have billboards we put out messages on, we do ads. Um, we do a monthly newsletter, if you will, in our local Odessa American, which is our newspaper. Um, we have some you know commercials running on TV. So we just do a variety of um, communication. And then most importantly is that wonderful social media we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, uh, we're on Instagram. Um, so I think it's important for any business, a nonprofit or for-profit, to cover all areas of communication and blast your information out there as much as possible.
0: Is there, uh, are there any metrics that you use to evaluate the effectiveness of these different forms of communication and thereby uh, kind of prioritize them?
1: We do. So our chamber is made up of three different departments. We have economic development. We also have tourism, which we refer to it as uh, discover Odessa. And then we have operations that deals with members and events. All three of those have separate staff members. I mean, we're all one chamber, but we're three separate departments with three separate books because we have three separate um, funding mechanisms. But all of them, those departments have different marketing groups, and they do. They look at those numbers every single month. We have a marketing report that comes out for each department that talks about, you know, how we're utilizing the dollars. We, we, it's really important that we're accountable not only to our members, but our two of our departments are funded through city dollars, so it's important that we're accountable to that. So we are always looking at our numbers, seeing what's effective, see what we can do better. One of the my least favorite sentences is, we've always done it that way. Mm -hmm. COVID has taught us that we can't do anything the same, and we're always having to improve and make changes and, uh, you know, improve upon things however we can.
0: Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Uh, Necessity is the mother of invention, they say.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay, so the, the Chamber is an entirely volunteer organization. Uh, there are leaders out there who have a hard time getting their paid employees to do what they want them to do and buy in. Um, how do you get people on board, and how do you get them to be a part of what you're doing?
1: Well, I think your mission is so important. You know, that's that's you know, it depends on what your mission is, and it has to appeal to people. And uh, because ours you know is encompassing of of three different missions, really, from the economic development to the tourism to the operations piece of it. At the end of the day, it's all about promoting Odessa. So you know, we um, seem to attract those people who want to make our community better, who want to be involved and find answers versus, you know, consistently um, complain about things. <laughs> so I think fortunately, we are also we we understand how important volunteerism is we know how important it is to be a good corporate citizen and provide time for your employees to volunteer therefore we are always uh, providing our employees time to go volunteer this week we have you know maybe 15 to 20 slots that are being taken up by chamber volunteers chamber staff who is out volunteering at our local vaccine drive So we practice what we preach. We encourage people to get out there and be a part of the solution rather than sit back on the sidelines.
0: Yes, ma'am. So you interact with leaders of all different kinds of organizations. In your mind, what is it that successful, effective leaders do uh, that other leaders are not doing?
1: Well, I think the first thing is you have to lead by example. You can't ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. So I think it's always lead by example. Um, the other thing is, you know, allow people to get involved in something they have a passion for. Um, encourage them and engage them to be part of an issue or part of a stand and and believe in what they're doing. It's hard. It's like say in, in sales, it's hard to sell something you don't believe in or it's hard to sell something you don't like. You're better at something when you enjoy it. So... We encourage our volunteers to get involved. We have a variety of ways for them to be involved. We encourage our employees to volunteer at different, you know, events. Um, I think one of the biggest thing is you can't micromanage. Leadership is very much like management. You have to tell people what you need and what you want them to, to accomplish and let them know you're there to help them but you're not there to micromanage them. So, you know, let them loose, let them do what they want to do. And oftentimes they're going to do it far better than, than you would. So
0: if you give them a sense of autonomy, uh, they'll go off and do it themselves, but then also it'll just require less energy from you as the leader, because you won't have to spend as much time giving them direction, managing them gives you space to be hands off with a better product.
1: Yes and I think again communication is key. If you give them some parameters and tell them what the end goal is, then you know let them figure out a way to get there.
0: Yes ma'am. So you've been a leader in the private healthcare and nonprofit sectors. What are leadership styles and or strategies that have served you well across all three?
1: Well again, I think it's just having a passion for what you're interested in. I think You know most importantly you have to believe in the mission you have to believe in what you're doing you have to you know it it goes back to you have to love what you're doing if you enjoy it you'll do a good job at it you don't mind doing it you know long hours and and odd hours um so i think the most important thing is just find something you're passionate about and we all have different skill sets we all have something to offer we all have gifts that we can utilize somewhere. So, you know, finding the where your comfort level is and just jumping in. And sometimes rather than asking what you can do, just find a spot, maybe get involved. Mm-hmm. Rather than ask, just do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so that was my next question is, how do you discover something that you're passionate about? How do you help people find what they're passionate about so that they can jump in and get involved and be a part of that?
1: Well, and I think that's, you know, I, I think sometimes, first of all, your passions may change. And second of all, you know, I think you jump into things. I know, you know, just even when I was a young single professional starting out of college, you know, I worked in, um, at, uh, at one of the TV stations and I had the opportunity to get involved in a lot of different things. So it gave me the option to find out what I enjoyed and what I liked. Um, and I, I think every community, You know, every community has a chamber. Every community, most communities have a united way. They all have a variety of organizations that you can serve with and volunteer with. And, you know, just asking around and finding out what's available in the community, what the needs are. You may have a passion for education. And then you can drill down. You know, maybe you have a passion for younger children in the elementary level. Or you may be more interested in a high school age child and you know maybe you're interested in sports and you can help out in sports maybe you're not athletic at all but you can be great at working at a concession stand um on the flip side of that you can be really hands-on and you know serving at the salvation army or working at a homeless shelter feeding the individuals or if you don't want to be as hands-on You know, maybe they need someone to sort through clothes in the back of the the garage, or they might need someone to go shopping to buy some of the food that's sold. So I mean it there is just endless ways for people to get involved. And then, you know, sometimes you just need someone's expertise. Maybe if you're good at communicating, they need a board member who can take care of the communications, or if you're a good You know, if you're a good accountant or you're good at math, they need someone to take care of the financials. I mean, there's just a role for everyone. And, you know, I I started serving with the Junior League probably 25 years ago. And one of the things that they always recommended was, you know, get out of your comfort zone. Serve in a capacity that you're not accustomed to. And I thought that was great advice because it really did teach you, you know, to get in there. And it's not a job. Or at least it's not, it is a job. You're just not getting paid for it. So it's, it gives you an opportunity to try some things that maybe you wouldn't do in your work setting.
0: I, l- I love the idea of discovering your passion experientially. Because I think a lot of people just kind of take a passive approach. And they're like, oh, I'll read some things. I'll talk about some things. I'll think about some things. And then I'll just magically discover it. And, I mean, that hasn't been my experience. I'm assuming it hasn't been your experience. And uh, people just need to get out there and try some different stuff.
1: Well, and two, as you, you know, my passion 20 years ago was different than my passion is today. So I often tell people that I think volunteerism is episodic. And what I mean by that is there may be a year where you're totally maxed out on your time. You just don't have time to do anything. You know, maybe you're, you have two jobs and you're taking 18 hours of work and you just don't have a lot of spare time to go volunteer. So it might be this one time every quarter or you know once every six months that you can go volunteer somewhere but then the next year you find yourself you're employed you're working you're single you have no kids and you've got a lot of spare time on your hands, or you want to go meet new people so you have a little bit more time on your hands, so you can devote a Tuesday or Thursday night from five to seven you know working at the food bank or you know working at the community garden I mean it, again, life is just fluid, and so you have to make the time when you can. And absolutely, it doesn't matter if you're donating an hour a week, an hour a year. I believe that giving is, when you volunteer, you get so much more back. I think it's selfish because we we get so much back for giving those few hours. So it's always well worth it.
0: Yes, ma'am. Just kind of touching on time management, you're one of the busiest ladies I've ever met. You do all these things so well, and you have a beautiful family, incredible career. How exactly do you prioritize? How do you allocate your time, energy, resources uh, to be able to do all these things at the high level that you do?
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that. I don't think I, I um, do it very well, but I tell you, I do a lot of... Um, I don't sleep a lot, and... Um, I tend to um, multitask, um, you know, I, I'm not one to really, I don't have a lot of spare time and I don't like to sit and be idle. My weakest link is sitting down and watching TV. I, I could just do that. I love watching shows and documentaries and different things, but I just feel so wasteful. So um, COVID has really, you know, allowed me to do a whole lot more of that, but I feel like I'm being so lazy. But um, again, I think it's just finding the passion. You know, if things are important, you make time for it. You know, I'm, I'm not one to make time to go exercise because it's, it's not important to me. But my goodness, I need to do that for my physical mind, my spiritual mind, my mental capacity. So, you know, there's, we all have the same amount of time in the day. And you just have to prioritize and, and make it happen.
0: Yes, ma'am. You've been successful in all these different industries. What are some ways in which your current role as the president and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce have challenged or stretched you in ways that you hadn't previously been so?
1: Well, um, so this was the, it it was different for me. I had served on the chamber board. I've been the chairman of the chamber. I'd worked in a volunteer capacity for the chamber for many, many, many years. And so being on the staff side of it was very different for me, but one of the most challenging things is that, you know, in any community, um, it's it just having a vision for your community and, and knowing what's what the, the end goal is for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. That we make decisions today that may not ever take place until I'm long gone. But just having that um, vision and, and knowing that, you know, what you're doing is making a difference for those generations down the road. You know, because we have funding that is, um, again, we have three separate departments with three different um, funding mechanisms. And two of those, two of the three are from city sales tax and city hotel motel tax. So, The um, political atmosphere is always something that we're really staying on top of and aware of. And, you know, the political atmosphere, even through our country, has been so different um, as of late. And so, you know, just because I think things are supposed to turn out a certain way doesn't mean that they always do. And again, the sun comes up the next day and you just move forward. You keep on doing what you're doing. And if you're doing the right thing, then that's most important. And you just keep on doing what you're doing.
0: Yes, ma'am. Renee, you're the first female president and CEO of the Odessa Chamber of Commerce, and that's a big deal. Uh, what does that mean to you personally?
1: Oh, well, well, you know, again, I've been involved with them for so long. And so just to be given the opportunity, I I realize it is a big deal. And I am absolutely so appreciative to even have the opportunity to be the first, but most importantly, to represent you know, the chamber in Odessa, I love our community. I'm born and raised here, i would absolutely live nowhere else. Um, I always tell our staff, the number one thing that you need to be able to do to work here is love your community and love Odessa. And I do, um, I believe in our community. I think we have so much to offer. I appreciate our members allowing me and our board members um, trusting me to, to be in this position. I hope that my um, passion and my love for the community is always seen through others who come into the community. We have an opportunity to meet with visitors, to meet with new businesses who are interested in coming in, um, to visit with, you know, people who were born and raised here and chose to go, you know, move on, and and um, but this will always be their home, and so... You know, Odessa doesn't have a lot to look at aesthetically, but most important, the absolute most uh, valuable aspect of Odessa is the people. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of our community and um, just love that I have the opportunity to promote it and represent it each and every day.
0: Awesome. So you've done lots of different things over the course of your career. Uh, How do you decide what to do next? Is it opportunities that are just presented? Do you seek them out? Uh, Would you say that there's a common thread of skill set or interest that has kind of led you to where you are today? What does your decision-making process look like when it comes to figuring out what's next, Renee? Well,
1: again, I think relationships, that's the number one issue. And, you know, I've been able to do and, the things that I do because of the people I know and the people I've met and the relationships I've had. So I think that's really an important aspect of it. And, um, you know, I think that I always seem to go for the underdog. I don't know. I think that's just the way I was raised. And I think Odessa can sometimes be considered an underdog city, but we are, you know, we're, if you give us enough time where, we, you know, this community certainly wears on people um, in a positive way. And I think that, um, again, as long as you like what you're doing and enjoy your time, you know, we all have to get up and every single day look forward to what we're doing. And um, I think my ability to have relationships and, and to communicate with people and hopefully, you know, they see my, my passion when they, they learn what I do. They, they already see that. So I think most importantly is just living by example and, uh, you know, having the integrity and always just trying to do the right thing.
0: Right on. All right. Well, thank you so much, Renee. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course, Alex. Thank you.